Today's retail market is rapidly changing. This year, gain the skills you need to grow your business and learn how to make a profit-focused strategy for the future. The NHPA Retail Management Certification Program will provide you with college-level training on everything from business strategy and financial management to marketing, merchandising, operations, and more. Classes are taught by successful retailers, industry experts, and collegiate professors. Don't wait. Classes start soon. Apply by July 1st to start your certification. Scholarships are also available. Learn more and apply today at yournhpa.org rmcp. Welcome to Editorially Speaking, the magazine podcast for the North American Hardware and Paint Association. I'm Melanie Mao, the managing editor for the association. On today's podcast, we have Jackie Sox, owner of Roundtop Mercantile in Roundtop, Texas. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Hi, great to be here. Thanks so much for um, agreeing to be on the on the podcast. You have your store and, and your kind of career path is has is really interesting. So really happy to be able to tell that. So why don't we jump right on in and just give us some background about the store um, and how you got involved. Okay. Well, the store was originally built in 1984. Um, my mother-in-law was kind of tired of being in the paralegal field. So she said, hey, let's build a little grocery store, a little hardware. You know, I could sit and read the paper, drink my coffee here and there. Um, but from the get-go, the store kind of was a, a center of, of uh, it was a great place for everyone to meet during the day. Um, and so it slowly continued to grow. And the oil boom of 86 kind of helped put the store on the map and um, hardware started to go through the roof. Uh, so in like in the mid 80s, they went through an expansion. In 92, we kept growing. They did another expansion brought feet on. Um, and then in 2011, we extended to the outdoor power equipment field. Um, in all that time, uh, January 2000, I turned 16. And my dad said, hey, first take a gas in the trucks on me. The rest, you got to figure out how to put, keep your truck rolling. Uh, so the, the mercantile was happening to be hiring um, for stalkers, um, being in high school. So I Came after school, worked the weekends, stocking, cleaning, kind of learning the ropes of the entire business um, because we're a very diverse business. We have hardware and groceries, a deli, we sell fuel and um, started friendship up with the, with the owner's son and a football game kind of became our first date. And um, my responsibilities kind of grew as I started college. Um, doing a business degree, it, it came in handy to have some hands-on experience and came back from college and took over assistant store manager underneath Michael. And in 14, we purchased a business from his family, underwent a 20,000 square foot print, footprint expansion. And we've just kind of continued to grow from there. So when you were 16 looking for a job, what were, was this store kind of your only option? What other kind of businesses exist in your area? Tell us about Roundtop. Well, Roundtop is a little bitty one square mile population 90. And <laughs> it's also the rival town of where I went to high school. I went to high school in the neighboring town of Fayetteville. So it was kind of laughed upon that I was crossing the Cummins Creek line to go get a job. <laughs> In, in where I grew up in Fayetteville, there were other options for work. Um, there was another little uh, grocery store in town. There was also a couple restaurants where my friends were would bust the tables or were, you know, kind of part-time waitresses and stuff. 
I didn't want to be in the restaurant industry. We just didn't. Yeah. The late nights with the store, we're we're done. We close at six o'clock. Out of here by six thirty. You're still home by seven. So I didn't have to kind of sacrifice any of my schooling or homework. That wasn't, you know, I was able to go home and still be a student. Um, yeah. So and then some of the other kids, um, you know, in Lagrange, which is the next biggest town over, there's HEB. Um, in the way of grocery to do sacking and stuff like that. But same thing. I kind of like the, the, the feel of being in a little independent business. Yeah. Yeah. So who are your customers in Roundtop? Are they mostly DIYers? Do you guys have farm customers since you have such a diverse business model? Who are you, who are you serving? It is a diverse clientele. Um, unfortunately, because of changing of the times, the farmers are going by the wayside. Um, we're seeing properties of 100, 200 acres being split up into five or 10 little, we call them ranchettes here. Um, yeah. But very much do, do it yourselfers. Of course, this past year has opened the door for do it yourselfers because everyone has been, you know, wanting to learn to garden or painting everything. And so we've seen those categories grow as our customers have changed. Um, yeah. a, lot of our, a lot of our clientele are weekenders. Um, this is second homes or retirement homes for people from Houston, Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth area. Um, so the age, the average age of our customer is retirement age. Okay. So that's, that's pretty interesting. I think that you, you kind of serve an older DIY, uh, customer base compared to maybe some other retailers, um, that serve like younger, like first time homeowners. So that's, that's really interesting. Do you see that that influences your product mix? At times it does. Um, I, I do. I, I listen to my customers. I have a lot of people that will email me, Hey, I like this. Can you get this? Or yeah. you know, they'll bring, they'll, I'll have packages of product on my desk when I come in the morning that, Hey, <laughs> I like this. Can you get this? If you, if you don't want to stock it, I'll buy a whole case. I have a lot of customers that are open to if I can just buy the whole case from you, I'm fine going to stock it. So um, see a lot of influence from them as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so you, your store is pretty unique that you also operate a grocery store. So you said there are other grocery stores in kind of your, your community area. Um, so how did the grocery use of the grocery store was always part of the plan. Um, so was that filling a need in Roundtop when your mother-in-law said, Hey, let's start this, this side of the business. It was, there was nothing else. You know, if you milk, bread, eggs, it was kind of the basics, you know, it wasn't, mm-hmm we've grown to be a really a full service grocery store now with the fresh produce and the fresh meat and the deli meat. Um, we've added on pizzas, uh, mm-hmm. but it's always been kind of your staples. Um, we've ventured out. Yes. And we also do gourmet. And of course, keeping with the new gluten-free and organic diets, keto um, it's allowed us to expand our offerings to accommodate for our customers. Yeah. So um, how is that different from hardware? Do you find that um, the the concepts, like especially the retail concepts, are pretty similar? It, it grocery being grocery business is very unique compared to the hardware. Um, you're yeah. dealing with different profit margins. Um, you're mm. dealing with with perishable product. Um, so it, it does kind of you have to kind of pick and choose, you know. And and when yeah. something's not selling, it's you know you don't get to put on clearance and just hope that it sells. You have to get rid of the product. Yeah. So, and, and the, the buying is very much similar to the hardware business, but the, it's the, the shelf, you know, grocery real estate shelf wise is very expensive real estate. So you want your yeah. best products on the shelf. Yeah. 
Um, do you respond to customer requests in the same way? How does how do your customers kind of you know ask for new things on the grocery side? I do. I look at the feasibility of the product. Yeah. If this is this new fancy caviar, I, I can't afford to put a case. In <laughs> you know, but some of the other products we and I do. I keep up with the new trends, and of course, I use a lot of the new products as what do I want to buy. Yeah, uh, it helps because we do. We do not shop anywhere else. We strictly live out of the store. Um, so it is it's looking at the feasibility and the accessibility. You know, do I have a wholesaler that can give me that bring me this product on a regular basis or am I having to make arrangements to get it shipped directly? Because um, I can't easily get my hands on it. It's hard for me to keep it on our shelves. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Um, so you talked a little bit about this 20,000 square foot reset. Um, so what year did you say that was 2014? 2014. Mm -hmm. So talk us through that process. What was, what, why did you decide to do that? What was kind of the deciding factor? Um, and, and how did that come together? Well, we were literally out of room. We had <laughs> shelves stacked to the ceiling. Our storerooms were busting full and we were not able to keep correct facings on products because we were just out of room. And we were seeing the need for expansion in our lawn and garden, outdoor power equipment, um, and the paint. What we've seen is everything that was service-driven needed more room. And that part of the expansion was on the grocery side, our deli. We, we had to expand it because we were right now making sandwiches, you know, 10 feet away from the cashiers. And that just really wasn't mm. conducive for, you know, people don't want you making their sandwich when you're touching cash. So right. it allowed yeah, us yeah. to give us some room. Um and expand our now fresh meat to, you know, we fresh grind our hamburger meat on premise every day. It's not in a vacuum sealed package. It's fresh every day. Um, so we knew we needed to expand all these things. And so that kind of went into the floor plan. And as with any floor plan, if it's a house or a business, it's a process of moving and, and kind of figuring what's going to flow best. Uh, we ended up having to tear down an existing part of the building to blow out a wall to keep going. Um, mm -hmm. We never had very large restrooms, so it gave us opportunity to bring ADA compliant restrooms that would accommodate for a changing table and just kind of keep up with what our needs of our customers. Um, they allowed us to expand for an employee workroom. You know, we had nowhere for employees to clock in and put their purses and their bags and sit down for lunch. So there was a lot of the little things that we knew we were missing that went into, okay, if we're gonna, if we're gonna build, what do we need to do? Um, and same thing in the back, you know, we talked to our drivers, we had a pit built for the trucks to back into where we used to just have to pull the pallets off with a forklift and hope that we didn't have any issues. So, like I said, it's just kind of stepping back and seeing what we really needed um, to accommodate for where we were growing. Is your, does your business stand alone in its building or do you have businesses on other, on, on different sides? No, we are completely standalone. Um, we are unfortunately landlocked though. We cannot go anywhere but up right now with the way the store sits so for another expansion project we'd have to look at either purchasing a neighboring property or like i said having to, to build up um, yeah so what was the customer response what was the timeline first of all for that whole you know from inception to completion and what was the customer response to the renovation oh well it was I mean, everyone was very appreciative. Of course, the transition of ownership was all happening while the building was being built. So we were able to kind of incorporate that all into to one um, kind of celebration. Um, yeah. The 
2014 was also the store's 30th anniversary. So okay. we were, it was kind of a good time to transition to some new things. And we had to hold off to do our ribbon cutting till the following spring. And so we had our 31st um, grand reopening. Um, the project happened pretty quickly though. Once we got dirt work rolling and concrete poured, you know, we had teams of contractors at every level going and we had our first load of hardware from Orgill. They brought us a whole truckload of hardware to restock the store on July 19th. And on July 21st, we set shelves and we started stocking product back. And um, it was a, a slow process because once we finished the hardware is when we started on the grocery side. Yeah. But by, by the end of 2014, we were up to 100% and kind of spent the first few months kind of fluffing everything, working out the kinks before we did our official ribbon cutting um, in the spring of 2015. Yeah. So um, do you have plans to do any more projects like that in the near future? Nothing major are, right now. Are, are you going to build up? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've, we've never, we've never said, no, we're not going to keep growing um, physically. Right. Um, we just know that it would be for us would probably taking and separating the offices, you know, taking all of our um, office space to make it retail space and then probably building us then just a separate standalone office per se. Um, yeah. Because that's really the, the only thing that's holding us up because we have our yard in the back has got the fence material. So we really can't, we don't want to intrigue on that. Um, yeah. But that would be the only, that would be the next move. That would be the easiest thing is let's knock the offices down and make retail space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about the other categories. So you said you, this this expansion off, uh, offered you the opportunity to go into outdoor power equipment and build your lawn and garden. And so what are the other kind of big things? Um, before we started recording, we were talking about the winter storms that just happened. And you said it was an opportunity for the plumbing category to be big for you in recent weeks. But especially over the last year, what were kind of the biggest categories for you? Well, any, anything for us that's service-driven, you know, like, like our lawn and garden, we offer repair okay. services after the sale um, with the deli, everything. You know, it's people appreciate having fresh cut meat and sandwiches, um, the pizza, um, the paint. What we initially did in 2014, we've kind of outgrown. So we just brought in a new, uh, I guess, digitized paint system. It does okay. the same thing for you, which is great. Um, it yeah. eliminates the air and mist and mist tents. Um, and get plumbing, you know, plumbing's kind of picked up again because people are doing their own irrigating for their, for their garden. And like the blizzard has kind of let everything kind of blow in proportion because no one else can find anywhere else. Um, you know, we heard of people having standing in line for hours at the big box stores to only walk up to the shelf and there'd be nothing left. So, wow. It's the pandemic per se has kind of helped every category grow, um, by some measure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you hinted a little bit earlier about your process for finding new products that, that you do your best to respond to customer requests. So, um, you know, outside of that, what's, you know, what are your strategies for, um, researching products and sourcing new products? Um, I subscribe to, I don't know, probably a dozen different newsletters that I get on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, as well as getting direct communications from my vendors. Um, and as well as the, you know, I, the newsletters that the NHPA puts out, you know, it, it kind of sometimes sparks some ideas to, okay, I need to go back and investigate that a little bit further. 
um, you know, keeping up with the market trends, with the, the new items and with the news, you know, what, what's going next. You know, uh, Texas, the mask ban was just, or the mask mandate was just lifted um, here last week. So it's been interesting. Um, people are still wearing masks though and, and staying as safe as we can. Um, so that's become a category that we never had a whole lot of, you know, prote personal protection equipment, stuff like that, that's expanded. Um, but it is, it's just kind of, it, it's reading and, to, and I still, I still get magazines. I, I love to still be able to flip through the pages and dog ear something and go, Hey, I need to go back and, and read this or, you know, share this with my employees. Here's some team building, um, practices and stuff. So it's kind of a few different mediums that I use to, to stay in touch with everything. Yeah. I, uh, since I started working for NHPA, I never really considered how many Christmas gifts for my husband I would find in the pages of the magazine that I manage. <laughs> very, very true. Very true. So it's, it's, it's a help for me as a consumer of home improvement products. So I can only hope that it serves a similar purpose for It's a for sneak like you. peek, you know, a sneak peek of what's to come. So when your customer does walk up and go, hey, have you seen this new lawn and garden chemical? And I go, oh, yeah, I did. I, I read about that last month that, you know, it, it gives me the ability to be ahead of the customer when they come to ask for something that they're not completely blowing my mind on this new tool that they found or new uh, chemical for the house or something. So, yeah. Yeah. So as far as customer requests, what's the frequency that you, you know, get emails or people coming up to you? Is that daily, weekly? How do you, how do you manage that? Um, it's usually weekly. Um, yeah. I just kind of take it we have certain order days. So we kind of give, if it's in time to give us time to get research, if we can find it, you know, it may take a few weeks or, or a month or two sometimes to get new products. Uh, we try to react pretty quickly though, so that they don't think we've forgotten about them or we don't care about them asking for something. Um, we're pretty, pretty quick to communicate, you know, Hey, this is something that we can't do or we won't do. Um, and for the most part, they're pretty understanding if we can't bring what they want in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that kind of leads nicely into the next conversation, which is supply chain. So <laughs> over the last year, you know, we've heard that supply chain is just consistently a challenge. So how did you kind of work through those this year? Um, and, um, you know, what was, what were kind of your, the conversations you were having with, with suppliers? Well, it was very interesting trying to convince our customers that we really were telling them the truth that we could not get any toilet paper. <laughs> um, when they figured out that they couldn't get anywhere else. Um, so that's been a hard conversation at first. I think people have now become to realize that there's going to be times that we're going to be able to accommodate for requests. And there's going to be times where I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. Um, yeah. By all means, we've seen it in every sector. Um, it's not in just a particular hardware category. Um, it's in farm and ranch supply. It's in groceries, um, you know, where they used to have 15 choices for bushes style beans per se, they're only making two and it's because the manufacturers have downsized their production. Um, so we are fortunate because we have so many vendors to choose from that when our grocery company was say out of water and cleaning supplies, we had some of our hardware vendors to lean back on to, be able to at least keep bleach on the shelf and some of the other necessities, you know, people have kind of learned to, they're not going to have so many choices when it comes to uh, product, but at least we're able to keep something on our shelf. Um, of course, right now, anything that relies on 
import of metal, you know, we're having very more than normal waiting periods um, for some of our fence supplies because they just cannot get enough raw product to produce the final product. And we're, we're telling customers when they're ordering something, you know, I, I can't promise you when it's going to be here and we need to lock in pricing now because in a week from now, I can't, it's going to probably be $1,000 more. So um, it's the supply chain issue. It is, it's been everywhere um, for us in the store. And we've just done our best to kind of convince customers that, Hey, one day it may get better. And one day, you know, we'll have it on the shelf all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have there been any categories that you were surprised were so affected by it, or was it really just across the board that, that you were seeing it? Um, the plumbing right now has been an issue. I, you know, we had kind of heard in the background that there were some issues with some PVC manufacturing. We just never would have imagined it would have been so much, you know, Mm -hmm. where there's just nothing to be found. Um, and we're still having issues, you know, for us right now, CPVC, there's, there's nothing. We have people calling every day for fittings. We still don't have any, and we don't know when there's going to be any. Um, yeah. Texas right now is seeing a fuel allocation issue. Um, we're unable to get regular, just regular diesel and unleaded vehicles, uh, vehicle fuel, because there's a shortage over the state. They had refineries that had some major issues during the blizzard and we're having a hard time. Um, we're going to see fuel prices just kind of skyrocket for us because of the allocation issues. Um, yeah. That's, that's hard to prepare for because you can't, you can only put so much fuel in your tanks. You can't stockpile it like you would, yeah. you know, bleach or water. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and our customers generally understanding, I mean, everybody's kind of been in the same boat. So um, is it, you know, people are just kind of, yep, I, I get it. I'll call next week. Now it has been, like I said, at first, you know, a a year ago when we were first starting to see some of these shortages and stuff, people just didn't grasp it. They didn't understand that, you know, just because this is going on, you know, in California or New York, why is it affecting you in Texas? And then as things have kind of progressed and we went through the kids not going back to school after spring break, that kind of just kind of trickled down to the supply chains throughout the year. And by now, people understand when you tell them that it's due to this. Um, but I still, there's still those few times where they just don't understand why can you not get this? Yeah, yeah. Um, any any best practices for dealing with customers like that that you'd like to share? <laughs> um, I fortunately have, I guess, from being in the business for 20 years, kind of you learn to read your customer. You know, yeah. are they being sarcastic with you? Can you make, can you crack a joke and kind of crack, crack their mood? And then some of them, you just have to kind of, you know, be, be stern with them and tell them, look, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do. You know, we appreciate your business elsewhere, but we just can't help you with this particular request today. Yeah. Yeah. Do most of your customers buy from both hardware and grocery at the same time, like on one trip? Or do you see people come in, you know, I got to go to the hardware store on Sunday and I got to go to the grocery store on Wednesday. How does how does the crossover work for you? Most people plan their trip. They're going to the mercantile. They're going to get everything on their list at one time. Um, yeah. We do have a running joke with some of our locals that how many trips are you going to make to the mercantile today? Um, <laughs> Currently, one of our customers holds the record for 10 trips to the mercantile. Nice. So, but for the most part, and they do a lot of his and hers, you know, the husband and wife will come together and 
he'll go take care of what he needs over on the hardware side. You know, she'll go do the grocery shopping. Um, and so it, it's most of the time it's, it's planned trips for people. And of course we are there. I was in town. I forgot the milk. I forgot to got, grab the feed, you know, and they're, they're making us their, you know, one last stop before they go home as well. Yeah. So most wholesaler markets over the last year have been virtual. So when things are back up and running again, what are you looking forward to going to markets in person? Um, I am a very much a touchy feely. I've got a seat. I got to hold it person. So going to the markets was my chance to get up close and personal with the product. Um, I, I enjoy going and walk, walking through the new items um, section to, because it is, it's a sneak peek of what's to come. Yeah. And I, I do, it's the interaction, you know, getting to go and visit with the vendor. Hey, I have a customer having this issue, you know, and as much as we all have accustomed now doing zoom meetings, it's just not the same interaction with the people, you know? Right. Um, right. Being in the business for 20 years, I've got to know a lot of the people within or your organization. So it's a chance to get to catch up twice a year. Um, yeah. As well as some of my fellow retailers, you know, so that's, you know, we have some friends of ours in South Carolina. That's, we get to see them twice a year at the show. And that's how we've met at the show. And we keep in touch, you know, obviously not through Facebook and, and email and stuff, but, you know, it was always our chance. We'd always go to dinner together. Um, for us personally, my husband and I, this was always our excuse to leave town, have a little yeah. vacation. Very much yeah. looking forward to going back in person. You've been involved um, in a handful of ways with the North American Hardware and Paint Association for for several years. Um, you've attended a lot of events. That's where we've had an opportunity to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were named Young Retailer of the Year in 2017, was it? Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Um, and so just this last fall, um, you joined the board of directors. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, so tell me a little bit about what, um, why you find it valuable to be in, involved with the association and why you wanted to join the board. It was a different opportunity to be involved with the organization. Like you said, I've attended many things. You know, Dan laughed at one of our meetings that he always saw me at the front row with my notebook to take notes <laughs> of the seminars at the Oregon show. And it was because I was always able to bring something home. You know, the organization has always offered so much to help independents like me. And um, it, so to serve on the board to kind of help with the interactions was, you know, I was very, very much honored to be asked to do so. Um, you know, it's a great organization that does take the independence to heart, you know, in, in the age of where there are so many of us, but we, it seems like we're not heard all the time. It's a voice for us um, and very much appreciate everything that is done through the organization. Um, you know, I feel that I bring something unique to the board because I have been an employee to the manager, to the owner, where I can offer perspectives from different levels um, while still, you know, being able to say I've sat on both sides of the fence. I know how an employee feels or this is how, you know, you have to bring this to the table as being the one in charge. Um, so it's been enjoyable to work with the organization all these years. And so to be able to serve in a capacity um, to kind of help with what goes on day to day is, is, I appreciate it. 
Well, we're, we're lucky to have you in the group. Um, I definitely, um, it's, it's great to have a, a woman represented on the board um, and to increase that visibility of women in the industry um, and to show that, you know, there is a, there are career opportunities. I think you said it, that, you know, you started as, you know, a 16 year old stalker and then um, worked your way up. So I really, um, I think that's a great example to show other young people in the, in the, in the industry. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I look forward to seeing what comes out of the board um, as you're a member. Um, this episode will launch in conjunction with what we're calling the category All-Stars um, with the May issue of hardware retailing and in paint decorating retailer. Um, so thinking about all of the all of the big categories that you have and, and the success you've had in growing some of those, um, what would you call your all-star category in your business? Definitely anything related to the, the lawn and garden. And I'm going to kind of lump it with the outdoor power equipment because I just kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Our part of, of Texas, it's very more, much a, I still do my own lawn care. I want to do my own gardening. Um, and so it's just kind of always been our rock star. Um, because we are a vendor for um, for steel, uh, Bobcat and Grasshopper, we're the local source that we have customers driving for, for 50, 60 miles at times to do business with us that it's kind of been our rock to kind of keep things moving forward, even in the tougher you know years, even... You know, we had a drought that we it kind of helped because people were instead of growing grass they were cutting trees so there's always been that kind of focus on that lawn and garden sector yeah um do most of your customers have fairly large plots of land that they're managing for the most part yes and like i was saying earlier many of the properties of 100 200 acre family farms they're getting divided up into these five or ten acre lots, which people still have yards to maintain. They still want a yeah. garden. Um, so even though the property sizes have decreased over the years, it's still large enough that people have some property to want to manage. And even in town here, you know, the there's the lots average an acre or two. So there's still significant, you know, grass and, and gardens and rose beds to, to tend to even in town. Yeah. Um, I think my house probably sits on like a quarter of an acre. So, uh, and my house is included in that. So, um, yes, five to 10 acres is still significant. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny coming from, um, I lived in Pennsylvania for about 10 years before I moved back home to Indiana and, and just looking at the way the different states are, are spread out with land. Um, I've looked at like aerial maps of the neighborhood where I used to live in Pennsylvania compared to the area where I live now. And, and I, you know, if I were to compare it to round top, I'm sure that the, the property lines and the grids would be even more spread out. So <laughs> Well, uh, Texas is is one state I've not visited. Uh, so hopefully in the near future, when when travel is happening again, I will make it down to Round Top and uh, you can show me the the lay of the land, whether that's uh, all of Round Top, which I can imagine is uh, is a nice tour, um, and uh, hopefully get to uh, have a deli sandwich. Absolutely. So thanks for joining us today, Jackie. I really uh, enjoyed our conversation and uh, hopefully we'll see you out and about maybe at a market soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Jackie. How do you lead an effective retail team? 
NHPA's Leading Your Team course teaches managers how to resolve conflict, how to establish trust, how to develop talent among your staff, how to improve team communication, and so much more. This course is offered online and is geared toward new and seasoned managers. Enroll today, no matter where you might be on your management journey. Visit yournhpa.org fol for more information.